dictate really how the, you know, we're, we're just there to enforce the law. Right. And I remember many, many times I let people off for just, I figured, you know what, this is going to ruin their life because I stopped a kid that has a little bit of or a little bit of whatever, mm-hmm. you know, if I could guide them in the right way and they avoid prison, why yeah. not? Wow. And a lot of people don't think like that. No, I would say most police officers do not think like that. Wherever you guys are watching this show, I would truly appreciate it if you follow or subscribe. It helps a lot with the algorithm. It helps us get bigger and better guests, and it helps us grow the team. Truly means a lot. Thank you guys for supporting, and here's the episode. Welcome back to the show, guys. I'm your host, as always, Sean Kelly. Got with me a very special guest today. He's worn a lot of hats in his life. I can't wait till you hear his story. Bruce Cardenas, how's it going? It's going well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. So I'd love for you to give your story because I think you do a better job than I would. <laughs> You've done a lot of stuff. Yeah, I've done a lot of things. It's interesting. So I, I won't bore you with everything, but you know, I was just a middle-class kid from New Jersey, one of five kids, middle, middle, middle child. And um, I always aspired to be a police officer, but I never knew how I was going to get there. And I, I was a daydreamer in school, mm-hmm. CD student. When I got out of high school, you know, I was... I did pretty well in sports, worked a bunch of different jobs, and I went to the police chief, which was a little hometown USA, and said, hey, I'd really like to join the police department. And he said, listen, you're young, you're immature, in his own kind way, right. but if you go in the Marine Corps, I'll hire you and get out. Mm. So I grabbed my best friend and said, hey, we're going to the Marine Corps. No other option, no other branch. Got, you know, went in the Marine Corps, went to Paris Island. I realized there was a big world out there. You know, when you grow up someplace, you think that's it. And I yeah. thought New Jersey was the entire world. I, hadn't, I don't think I've ever been on a plane before that. Wow. So the Marine Corps, you know, I grew up pretty quickly and, and traveled the world and was on some cool detail, security detail for the Commandant. And I still wanted to pursue that dream of being a police officer. And I ended up, I ended up being in California at Camp Pendleton for a powerlifting meet. It's funny, we were talking about Mark Bell off camera. I always, you know, followed guys like that and friends with guys like that. So... I, uh, there was a career day in Camp Pendleton and I saw a bunch of police departments were hiring and I just started processing and joined LAPD. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So you did Marines before LAPD. Which yeah. one was, which one was tougher you said? I think the Marine Corps, uh, the Marine Corps for sure was tougher. It laid the, laid the foundation. I mean, I, I worked in a, in an exclusive unit, so it was physically and mentally, you go from a kid in, you know, mid- midtown New, New Jersey to, you know, forced training and and a lot of good things, mental, mental conditioning. So yeah, the Marine Corps was definitely much tougher. Yeah. And you grew up, you know, in Jersey, but in a very tough environment, right? A lot of alcoholism in your family. Yeah. What was um, it like going through You know, I gotta tell you, I guess I avoided that bullet. Grandfather, grandmother, mother, brother almost got kicked out of college for drinking. And my older brother died of alcoholism basically. So I think subconsciously I just avoided that bullet. I've I've never really drank. I mean, I've probably been buzzed a few times in my life, but I want to, you know, thank God that I just avoided that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've seen nothing. You know, it's interesting when people say, oh, you don't drink. That's kind of weird. I said, well, have you ever seen anything positive come out of drinking? <laughs> you know, my friends are, you know, DUIs, throwing up in the bathroom, sleeping in until, you know, the end of the day because they're trash. So I, I don't think I've ever avoided anything. And I know it's kind of weird because people think I'm sober, but I just, I've just avoided it. Yeah. Same with avoided it. Yeah. And it's crazy because my brother was a big He went to prison for three years for, for making and selling meth. And, wow. I've been around it, and it's crazy because even when I wrestled in high school, people took speed to cut weight. Yeah, I just somehow just thought, you know what? It, it's just I, th- I thank God that I did. I just never fell onto that sword. Wow, because because I, I have an addictive personality. Yeah, so just one I wanted to avoid. But you got addicted to the right things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> working out, nutrition, working hard, work. You know, I love working. Yeah, back in the day, you know, they probably call it a workaholic. Now you're called an entrepreneur. Yeah, 
I, I really like your story, man, because it's very <laughs> rare to see a police officer go into business and become super successful at that, right? And I got to tell you something, being the police officer, I'd love to touch on it a little bit. You know, when you're in the police academy, I went to LAPD, which was one of the biggest and best police departments in the world. All you learn is rules and regulations. And when you get out in the field, there's the real world. And I quickly learned treating people with respect and dignity was very important and, and, and living within the spirit of the law instead of the letter of the law. And a lot right. of people, you know, young person goes to a police academy and all he knows, I'm here to enforce the law. Mm -hmm. And I quickly learned that just how you engage people, how you treat them. And I had a couple training officers who were pretty rough. They were rough dudes, old timers. And I, and I watched how they treated them, treated other people. And, and I quickly figured out, they say 90% of Americans are a paycheck away from a crisis. Mm. Whether that's true or not, I looked at this. Shout out to today's sponsor, Rocket Money. Guys, you ever feel like money's just flying out of your account? Well, this app might be able to help you because there's something called subscriptions that are eating out your bank account every single month. And there's apps you don't know about. Delivery apps, streaming services, you name it. You're probably getting charged a monthly fee by a lot of companies and you don't even know. You can see all your subscriptions in one place on the Rocket Money app and you can cancel all the unwanted subscriptions with one tap. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months and negotiate your bills to be even lower by up to 20%. All you got to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that basically finds and cancels unwanted subscriptions. They help you monitor your spending and they help you lower your bills. Rocket Money has been a great experience for me personally. They've saved me money, um, hundreds of dollars on bills. They were able to go through all of my credit cards, all of my bank statements, see what I was paying for on a monthly basis. And I found a ton of stuff that I don't even use, honestly. I had an Xbox Game Pass that was being charged monthly. I don't even play games. That one was years old. And they also lowered some of my bills. My phone bill and my Wi-Fi bill were pretty high. They were over 150 bucks a month and they were able to cut down on those prices. So all in all, shout out to Rocket Money, great product. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash DSH. That's rocketmoney.com slash DSH. Link will be in the description below. Same way when I stop people that for violating the law. Mm -hmm. Maybe someone's in a crisis situation and how you treat them is going to dictate really how the, you know, we're, we're just there to enforce the law. Right. And I remember many, many times I let people off for just, I figured, you know what, this is going to ruin their life because I stop a kid that has a little bit of or a little bit of whatever, mm -hmm. you know, if I could guide them in the right way and they avoid prison, why yeah. not? Wow. And That's, a lot of people don't think like that. No, I would say most police officers do not think like that. <laughs> yeah. And there's even a policy. I remember there was a period of time where it came out, if you had a suspended license, you shall impound a car. And I remember I stopped a couple of people. I st stopped a single mom one time, had her kid in the car. License was suspended. And my partner goes, hey, I'm going to call a tow truck. I said, well, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's think about this. Yeah. Single mom, working hard on her way to work. If you impound the car, it's going to cost her $1,000. She'll probably never get the car out of impound because I hold it for 30 days. So I basically went against the grain. And, you know, but, but I think about the future of this person, you know, what you're going to do to destroy someone's life. Mm. So, yeah, because the universe, you know, that energy might come back to you, right? 100%. I just realized, you know, I, I'm a servant leader and I realized I'm there to serve people. And if I could help them avoid a bullet, why not? Yeah. And you were in some of the roughest <laughs> neighborhoods in LA, right? Oh, yeah. I worked, you know, Compton Southwest, worked on the riots, the OJ trial, wow. Rodney King, you know. So uh, you saw some crazy stuff. Crazy things. I mean, my second day on the job, I was standing at a crime scene. It was a, it was a related three, three, three bodies, three. Wow. And, and two shot and I'm standing at a crime scene kid from New Jersey. I'm like, wow, this is a real city. That's nuts. Man. Yeah. So do you get like flashbacks <clears throat> from being in the military and being a police officer? 
I, I wouldn't say, yeah, flash, but not PTSD, but some flashbacks of some things I've seen. You know, you can't unsee things, right? Right. Tragic accidents or that I, you know, you don't want to wish it upon anyone, but you know, sometimes you have those process in your yeah. brain, like, wow. So you really built up your mental fortitude to be able to... <laughs> you really have to have good mental fortitude, and you also have to remain positive. A lot of cops become very cynical and jaded because they see it, and I've been on crime scenes where people kind of making jokes. I'm like, Jesus, this, this is a victim. This is someone's brother, father, uncle. Right. And I always keep it in perspective, and you really have to keep a, a strong mental outlook on things. Mm -hmm. What was that transition from being a cop into... Quest was like the first thing for you, right? Well, it was the cop, and I started the bodyguard business while I was a cop. Right. <clears throat> But the, the Quest thing just kind of happened. I was at the gym one day and met the founder of Quest, Shannon Penna. She goes by Quest Creator. She was doing cardio, you know, gym friends, you know, you make small talk. And uh, she gave me a couple protein bars, I think the second time I saw her. And they just started the company a few months old, two flavors, and we became fast friends. Mm -hmm. And literally, I think I saw her the next week and said, hey, I'm doing this celebrity golf tournament. I'm, taking, I'm doing security at Riviera Country Club, and there was the likes of Jessica Simpson were there and Mario Lopez, and I said, if you want to get me some product, I'll get it in some people's hands. Yeah. And uh, got me some product, and quickly, I didn't even know what the word content meant, but my <laughs> friend was doing publicity there. It was, it was actually, Facebook just started, so there was no Twitter or Instagram. She got some people to do some taste testing on video and got some blogs, and I got that all together and sent it to the founder, and they were like, holy cow, like, how do you know these people? Yeah. By the way, I'm protecting these people, so it was kind right. of an easy bringing them value, why I'm, why I'm protecting them, bring them snacks. And nine months later, they took me to lunch and said, hey, we're stealing from you. You're bringing us way more value than we're doing for you. Mm. I said, no, 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 we're good. Like, you're, you're giving me product, and I'm getting it in people's hands. So they said, we're putting you on the payroll starting Friday, which was a nominal fee, but it was still, they were paying me. Mm -hmm. And then that was in my mind, a mental switch, that once I started getting paid, I was like, wow, now I really need to step up my game. Yeah. And that started our relationship. Amazing. And you worked your way all the way up to C-suite from there. <clears throat> yeah. It was literally one of those companies where everyone had, a, you know, one of the founders was in charge of R&D, one was in charge of finance and production, and one was in charge of sales. And everything was like virgin territory. Mm -hmm. I created the events department, the ambassador program, built all these relationships with GNC and Vitamin Shop. And so, there, so I was able, I call myself, I became an entrepreneur inside the company because I had the latitude and freedom to do whatever I wanted. Mm. So I created all these departments all these opportunities. We created the Wow Factory, which we coined after Tony Shea from Delivering Happiness. Mm -hmm. And uh, we carved our way. Amazing. So yeah, next thing you know, I'm nine, nine years later, I'm the chief communications officer. We sold for a billion dollars cash to Atkins. It's insane to go it's, from police officer to C-suite of a nine-figure company. And I tell people this, all I did was I brought value and I really had no expectation. When I first met them, they gave me some bars. I remember when I visited their office, <clears throat> which was down near Compton, mm -hmm. There was no sign of a future with them. They were in a little industrial park, mm. crummy little area. <laughs> no, it was, it was literally, I walked in and literally thought to myself, they probably won't be in business in six months. <laughs> so, you know, you get that vibe when you yeah, walk yeah. into. So there wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm, I have this girl golden opportunity. I just kept helping them. Anything they needed. I remember one time they were talking about, they moved build, we moved buildings to a nicer place. And they said, we're, you know, we're thinking about building a studio. We had something not as nice as this, but, but a little studio for guests. Mm -hmm. Over the holiday weekend, I came in and all I heard them say is we should build a studio. Over the holidays, I came in and built the studio. Mm -hmm. Put it on my credit card, did everything. When they came back, I was out of town because I used to travel about 40 weekends a year for them. Yeah. They said, Bruce must have been here over the holidays. Yeah. They didn't even ask who did it. So <laughs> I always tell people this. Like, I had an opportunity. I, was, I wasn't the most qualified to be in a nutrition company. I mean, I had knowledge. I just worked hard at anything that the company needed, I just did. Mm. And I think a lot of times people stay in their lane. Well, I just do marketing. Yeah. Or I just do sales, but I did whatever it took. 
people get complacent once they get a job, I feel like, but you felt like you needed to do, keep doing more. Yeah, there, and, and people, I always, I always wish that some people, I hope people find their why in life. Mm-hmm. That became my why. Right. Because people started writing us blogs, hey, I lost 25 pounds over the last few months eating this, it was a go-to snack, and you started seeing the results of your efforts, and that yeah. people were like, these are clean and they're delicious bars. And it really became an exciting why. Yeah. You know, it, it almost became, you know, the bodyguard work was great. I was still doing that, but it was almost more like we're changing people's lives. Mm-hmm. And it really became exciting. You guys were so ahead of your time because back then it wasn't really a health trend. No, no. It was like, and they tasted so good, man. Yeah, and that, bars prior to that, if you had anything prior, so ours was taste, texture, ingredients. And that's what people, very few people even looked at the package. They just like, taste great. Amazing. Yeah. I didn't even know it was healthy when I first ate Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were like candy bars. Yeah, those uh, I think the cookies and cream one. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, that was our number two or three bar sales. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So I want to dive into the security stuff because yeah. you were doing security for A-list celebrities. Like You could get into some of the people, but I want to learn about how you even grew that business because people try to do security, right? A lot of people try. A lot of people, a lot of people do it. I happened to start working off duty for a retired sergeant from Beverly Hills. You know, like most cops, I needed extra money. I wasn't making a lot of money, whatever the salary was. Mm-hmm. Did a couple gigs. And after about a year of working for him for other clients, I said, this is, I, I could do this. I got my own, you know, went and took a test, got my insurance, got my license. One of my dear friends, his name's Charlie Horky. He was a founder of CLS Transportation. It's actually Slade here in LA now, mm-hmm. in Vegas now. I, I, we became fast friends and I said, hey, I'm starting the security business. He said, oh, I go back to this, it's relationship capital that I, I continue to build like you do. It's just relationship capital. Right. I knew him, he did him a couple favors. I said, uh, I want to start this business. And he started referring clients to me. And literally, it kind of became like a waterfall. Like at the time, Tommy Matola was running Sony Music. Mm-hmm. He was married to, Mar- married to Mar- Mariah Carey. Got me connected with them. And then it was Courtney Love. And then it was Whoopi Goldberg. And then once I started building my own you know, list of clients, then other people started coming in. Mm. I handled almost every Sony music artist in one wow. way or shape or form, whether it was just a weekend gig, whether I helped them just fix things up, whether it was when Mike Tyson split up from Don King mm-hmm. and I temporarily did his security for about a year. Tyson needed security? So Tyson, <laughs> Tyson had his own guy, his own pit bull, but I was a peripheral guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right, Mike, yeah. Still a powerful guy, but making sure there was no problems when he ingress and egress and making sure he stayed out of trouble, right? Right. I think a lot of celebrities and talent, it's more about keeping them out of trouble yeah. and keeping... Keeping them safe. On the Nate and Sarah, yeah. Yeah, safe and getting in and out of places without, without having a problem. So that was what I was really good at. I'm yeah. still good at yeah. What were some key moments in that business that you think you, you still remember to this day? Well, I got to tell you something. I always tell people in the security business, it's social cues. Like I learned how to adjust myself and be, be a, 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 you know, in the corner when I was speaking. And it's interesting because I'm, I'm a social, I'm a extrovert. But in the security business, you got to be an introvert. Mm. You're not really engaging with people. You're just staying out of the way. Wow. But I think one of the things I learned Going back to being served, I served, I, I not only met clients' expectations, but I exceeded them. So it wasn't just like I got them from point A to point B. I started figuring out what they needed in advance. And I remember one time one of the biggest music persons in the world said to me, hey, you should think about starting your own management company. Mm-hmm. I was like, why would you say that? She goes, you're doing more for me than my manager does. Because wow. I was always thinking ahead of what they needed. Yeah. Advancing the hotel room, where the car is, just everything. And uh, I think that was one of my big learnings. Mm. And then also learn human psychology. A lot, of, a lot of celebrities have stalkers, which I handled many. To this day, I handle many. Really? And I think even now with social media, I think even this, the weekend we were at the conference, right? This past weekend, a couple of speakers I talked to said they have savory fans that are come, become a little obsessed. Right. Because I think people live vicariously. They see people on television, mm-hmm. YouTube. 
Are you interested in coming on the Digital Social Hour podcast as a guest? Well, click the application link below in the description of this video. We are always looking for cool stories, cool entrepreneurs to talk to about business and life. Click the application link below, and here's the episode, guys. And that's another problem I deal with, mm-hmm. people just showing up unwanted. Yeah. So I learned how to really be a negotiator of, of, of human psychology, too, how to, how to de-escalate things. I remember one time I, I, took a, <clears throat> I took a bus from Alabama and showed up at Kim Kardashian's house with his luggage, mm-hmm. and he thought he was there to move in with her. <laughs> I literally had to intervene and get a hold of his parents and get, get, some, get some psychological help. Oh my God. So that becomes way more than security, right? Now you're yeah. kind of becoming a therapist and helping. I've had three clients I've taken to, to rehab that their, their circle became so comfortable with the service I was providing. They said, hey, we're, we want to do intervention. And I was responsible for those, which is nothing. I, I never knew anything about intervention, but I learned quickly. Yeah. So a lot of those things that I learned, and I always pass on to people in the security business, be, do more and, 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 and exceed their expectations mm-hmm. without interfering. By the way, you also have to be the wallflower. Yeah. You know? So were you walking around armed? or? No? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Did anything ever get dangerous? or? Um, probably more as a cop. Dangerous? I mean, I've had a couple unsavory fans that have tried to scale walls, you know, show up at their estates. Right. Or we'll usually call the police or detain them. Yeah. Never to the point where there's been bodily harm. That's good. But there are some, there's some people out there that have yeah. done some crazy shit. Yeah, and the music industry gets dangerous out there. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of musicians. I remember one time, um, actually, it was during the you know, grunge area up in Seattle, a woman rammed her truck into Eddie Vedder's gate. Remember Eddie Vedder from yeah. the Pearl Jam? And so that was dangerous. Jeez. Yeah. There's, there's people that go to extremes that do some crazy stuff. Yeah, man. It's scary out there. Um, and you also were a VP of a chauffeur business, right? Yeah, simultaneously, my friend that owned the, the Slade Service, I became the executive vice president of his company. So my security business was inside his business. So mm. it kind of worked out hand in hand. Like his dispatchers are booking cars, and they're like, oh, Bruce, by the way, we need a, we need a bodyguard this weekend. Right. So what did what, what you learn in that space? Because that's a very niche space. Very niche and very customer service oriented. So imagine if, you're, if you could afford to have a chauffeur, mm-hmm. your level of expectations are really high. Yeah. So it's every, everything from getting point A to point B, but how you do it, you know, seamlessly. And I started do, you know, doing the motor escorts for them. And, you know, people, ha- people have that expectation. Even the last two Super Bowls, I arranged motor escorts. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that became almost like sometimes people become almost impossible to, to please. Yeah. You're flying on golf streams. You know, <laughs> your chauffeur's five minutes late and it's the end of the world. And sometimes, <laughs> I, it's actually, that's funny because when Quest started, I took a step back and thought, I'm dealing with these very wealthy people, right? That you can never meet their expectations because they always want more. Yeah. Instant gratification, right? And then I have this other world where it's like people are enjoying protein bars and having a good time. So, but that level, and it, but it's a service or, you know, like I said, I'm a servant, you know, servant leader and you always have to, you always have to exceed people's expectations. Mm. And we've done pretty good. At, we had the four seasons, like six of the four seasons, which are, you know, prime hotels. Wow. NetJets, which is a private jet company at Warren Buffett. I don't know if he still owns it, but he owned it. We used to service them. And we did their annual, um, conference every year at the win here mm, that's huge with man. all the owners so you're really good at forming partnerships with established brands and ip partnerships and getting in and then maintaining those relationships i think sometimes people get relationships where they start a relationship and they don't know how to maintain it for years in and months out right you, they kind of get comfortable right yeah and i always tell people you're only as good as your last gig mm. so do you try to create win-win scenarios for both parties for sure 100 percent. yeah i think that's what most people don't <laughs> think about they don't think about it they're like hey i got the account 
Mm-hmm. Great. Now I can sit back. No, no. Now you need to keep moving forward. Keep over delivering. Over delivering. There's always going to be a new executive assistant. There's always going to be a new chief communication officer in the company. Right. And it's not even about the main client. I found quickly it's not because I very rarely deal with the actual main person, mm-hmm. because like the Warren Buffetts of the world. But you're dealing with all the lieutenants, as mm. I say, and they're always cycling through. So you always have to be on top of your game, impressing and and, and doing great service for the next person. Right. What have you noticed, like these billionaires and you know centi millionaires? What do they all have in common? Um, besides being eccentric and, dri- <laughs> and dri- I think they're driven and they're focused. I've, I've very limited contact because I almost feel like sometimes they're savants about they're they're thinking about the next day, the next deal. Mm-hmm. While I, they may ask me, Hey Bruce, how long is it going to take to get to our next place? I'll tell them 30 minutes. They're already processing. Okay. They're processing the next thing. They're mm-hmm. not thinking about, they don't think in the past. They're just thinking about what I'm dealing with, what I'm working with. So it, it's, a, it, it's an amazing talent I've seen, mm-hmm. how people can put deals together and focus on so many things. But I think that's all, why, also why they have such great teams, too, yeah. right, to help them. Nice. <laughs> um, you're working on a new venture now with the previous Quest founder, right? Yeah, yeah. So he started, we, he started a couple companies, Legendary Foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Vid- that's him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've seen that everywhere. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the pastries. Yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's, you know, Ron Penna, he's rolled that into that, and he started a ketogenic dog food company. Okay. And, and then a science company called Bioship. More... More cancer research behind the scenes. There's nothing to report, right? Because I said to him, we should start talking about that in public. And he said, until I actually have an answer, what's there to talk about? Mm. So Yeah, cancer is one of those things, right? Yeah. You need to be definitive. Well, people will spend millions doing cancer research, right? Yeah. But until you actually have an answer, it's all yeah. white paper. It's all Just noise. and money, yeah. yeah. You think there'll be a cure one day? I hope in our lifetime. Yeah, yeah. that'd be I th- good. I think there were, there's, 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 so many, there's so many companies running to the finish line to try and find the answer. Yeah. Now, the CPG space, which you have a lot of experience in, obviously, you know, it's easy to spend millions yeah. and you don't know if it's going to pan out. What's, what's your advice to people entering that space? I got to tell you, I tell people this all the time and no different if we started another Quest or another cookie company. We started making the bars by hand at Quest in a commissary at night. Really? Yeah, we, we flushed it out. We, we built a website. We actually built a website and tested it, making fake orders and then refunding people just to see the traction and mm. the engagement. What happens is people say, I'm going to decide, I'm going to start a water company. Let me go order a 50,000 unit run or whatever, put my name on it, and then realize, well, no one's buying it. Mm-hmm. You're better to start out small. Let's just use a cookie company. They'll make them by hand, start selling them at swap meets or go to the gym with them. People, CPG specifically, if people try it and they like it, they're going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine you make, spend all this money making a bar, a cookie, a whatever, a drink. They try it and they don't like it. It's all about the reorder and the commitment, lifetime customer. So mm. at Quest, we had lifetime customers. Right. People spend too much money. First, you need to flush out the idea, get some samples made, and see if your friends and family like it. Because mm. your friends and family are going to be honest for yeah. the most part, right? Your kids, for sure. <laughs> right? Kids are, and it, when it comes to a, a consumable item, kids are honest. Yeah, yeah. Under 11 years old, they'll spit it out, right? Yeah. And that's what we found at Quest. Kids were very honest. Like, Kids liked it, actually. Oh, so, so you were giving it to kids? Oh, yeah. that was, And I'd, we'd have moms write us, say, oh, my God, my six-year-old loves your Quest bar. Oh, nice. That's and a I, good sign. Sometimes <laughs> you got to trick them, right? You can't say it's a protein bar. Hey, right. check this out. But so when I tell people that start a CPG brand, just first test it out. Mm-hmm. I know friends of mine that have spent millions, literally, and they're like, hey, I'm going out of business. Mm. And they tell me the story. I said, well, God, I wish, I wish I knew you. Like, Let's just flush it out first. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's one of those spaces where building that LTV is important, right? Because yeah. people are probably spending thousands on Quest bars over time. Oh, I'd say if you, we did a calculation. If you became a lifetime customer, it's about a $3,500 investment. A year? 
No, like oh, you, total. Because oh. you know, listen, things people come and go, right? Maybe right. you're doing Quest bars for five years. Maybe you move on to something else. That's still super high, especially for a two dollar protein. Right, bar. right. So think about that. You have millions of those people. Yeah, yeah. So you have one of the best networks I've ever seen. What would you say, um, people looking to grow their network? What advice would you give them? I will say this. I'll tell you the same thing that you do and Dan Fleischman does. Be out there. Mm-hmm. Dan Fleischman's become a good friend of mine, and he, you know, as you know, he hosts these elevator nights for free. Yeah. Everywhere, and, and he says this, here's my blueprint. Go out and meet people. Look online, look at Facebook, Instagram. There's always some meetup somewhere, right? You mm-hmm. do meetups, right? Yeah. You have events. I tell people, it's great. You could be a keyboard, keyboard warrior. You're not meeting people that way. No. <laughs> and it's all fake. It's in, you know, Instagram, it's messaging. Go be in person. We, we saw, you know, finally connected at the event this weekend. Yeah. And the weekend before that was Lionsgate, or, or Lions Not Sheep. This weekend coming up, I'm at the Andy and Elliott group. Mm-hmm. Just keep meeting people. The more people you meet, the bigger your network comes. And I gotta tell you right now, your network is your success. Absolutely. And those relationships, like I say, I've always made more deposits and withdrawals. Mm-hmm. But when I need something, I then can say, wow, I feel good about asking mm-hmm. because I've made nine deposits in your bank. Absolutely. And I think relationships are sometimes better than cash. The relationship value. I agree with that, man. I mean, think about the calls you can make after you get to know someone. Hey, I'm doing this real estate deal. Let me help you with that. Yeah. Let me save you $20,000, whatever, right? Because you're a friend. People need to keep, be, get out there. Mm-hmm. I have friends who are like, well, it seems like that's a, that event is a waste of time. Go find, you, may, you, may, you might meet one Dan, one Sean, yeah. one Andy Frisella, whoever. All it takes is one person for it to be worth it. One person, all of a sudden they're a million dollar client. I mean, just, just at the event we just went to Saturday, I met someone that owns a videography company. He's now giving me free videographers, whatever city I'm in. I met 10 podcast guests that will lead to further connections. Yeah. The, the connections I made at that event alone will lead to millions of dollars. Same thing with me. I met a couple of people that I, you know, I knew of and I, I made a connection. And now, and even, you know, I've known, I met Tim Grover now a few times and he had a pretty candid talk with me. He goes, hey, when are you getting on the big stage? Yeah. You told me a few months ago you're going to be on the big <laughs> stage. And now he's, pre- you know, Tim's no joke. Yeah. So, I love meeting those kind of people because they inspire you to do more. And sometimes, you know, it's interesting. Maybe, I don't know if you feel like that. Sometimes I feel like, am I doing enough? Yeah. And then you run into someone like that and say, shit, I need to step up my game. For sure. Right? That's the good thing about conferences because it'll always humble you. Yeah, because there's people that you want, you know, I was on Bradley's podcast a couple weeks ago and I just, I'm around these people and I'm like, man, they are doing a lot. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a balance though because yeah, you don't want to compare yourselves too much. You, no, I don't compare myself, but sometimes it's just like, you know what? If I think for a moment, I'm working too hard. Uh, I see other people are working hard. Yeah. And I'm not saying working hard is just the answer, but you know, just they're out there. Yeah. What's that balance like for you? Are you working weekends? Sometimes. Okay. It seems like the last few weekends I've been going to these conferences and stuff, but there's no rhyme or reason. And I have, I still have a client that I take care of. He's a billionaire. He comes in town. He's actually coming in town for a week coming up. So that'll be my week that I'm locked down. Right. Security. Yeah. Security. Oh, so you're still doing it. Yeah. 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 Just, but a handful of clients, you know, it's interesting years ago, it was a big deal to be a billionaire, right? There was only a handful now. Yeah. But so I only have a couple of clients and they're both billionaires. Yeah, I feel like it's more common. It's still very hard, obviously. But oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you could become a billionaire on equity. I feel like it's attainable these days. Yes, for sure. Yeah, if you're making the right moves. Have you done anything with uh, Grant Cardone? I've only met him a couple of times. But no, I never worked with him, never done anything. Nice. So what's that? What keeps you going, man? I mean, you got great energy at your age. I yeah. love, yeah, the energy. I work out every morning at 7 a.m., I have a training partner and I, I'm working. The podcast is just, to me, is just the first layer of starting public speaking. I finally set up a website for coaching mm-hmm. and I do want to be on the big stage. I mean, there's no reason I can't be. I think, you know what, I, for self-doubt's been it for, for years. It's yeah. been me just being weak. What's been the biggest audience you've spoken? 
uh, me and you right here. Yeah. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I've been, you know, maybe 50, 100 people. Okay. Yeah. 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 We got to get you up to the thousands. Yeah. Like this weekend, I was visualized, you know, envisioning me being up there. I thought, okay, you just manifest it. Yeah. Whether it's 70 people or 7,000. Yeah. That, that crowd was the biggest I've seen right. at a it, business conference. Yeah. Other and, than 10X. And you know what? But you don't really want to take away from talking. To, I already knew about some of the speakers, but even some of the ones I talked about, like Jen, is it Jen Gottlieb? Yeah. She showed the video when she first was trying to do Facebook Lives and fumbling around. Right. Every one of those people started somewhere. Yeah. Fumbling and nervous, anxious, and stomach and nervousness. Yeah. So everyone starts that way. And that's oh, what yeah. I have to keep reminding myself. Yeah. I don't know anyone that. No one just, yeah, no one just got on stage yeah. and say, hey, I'm Tony Robbins. <laughs> yeah. No, it takes time, man. My first time was quite the story. Yeah. And even when you, you, you actually had an event, you couldn't make it. You, had, you were stuck in a, somewhere, but I, I attended one of your events uh, at the library. Yeah. And I spoke in front of it was probably like 50 people. They yeah. Just, you know, one of your guys let me talk. And, but I realized the more you do it, it's like repetition. Mm-hmm. And you just have to just keep talking. Absolutely. And as long as you're bringing a valuable message, people want to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dude, it's been super fun. Anything you want to close off with? Uh, no, I, I appreciate everything, the, the, the opportunity you've given me, and I want to pass it on. Like to me, if I could change one pe- one person's life every day, that's what I'm, that's my goal. Perfect. Where can people find you? Uh, I have a website, brucecardenas.com. And then obviously on Instagram, Bruce E. Cardenas is for Instagram. Love it. Thanks so much for coming on, Bruce. Thank you. Thanks for watching, guys, as always. And I'll see you next time.